The following story is certified grim for extreme violence and upsetting scenes and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host Mr Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... The Robber Bridegroom! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! There was once on a time a miller who had a beautiful daughter and as she grew up he wished that she was provided for and well married. Wow, I mean, we've been here before, have we not? A miller, check. Beautiful daughter, check. Check. He wants her to have a good husband, check. Check. Right, okay. So far, so normal. So far, so millery. <laughs> he thought, if any good suitor comes and asks for her, I will give her to him. Now, not long afterwards, a suitor came who appeared to be very rich. And as the miller had no fault to find with him, he promised his daughter to him. The maiden, however, did not quite like him so much as a girl should like the man to whom she is engaged. Oh. And she had no confidence in him. Yeah, she's not, yeah, not feeling this guy. Whenever she saw or thought of him, she felt a secret horror. Oh dear, it's that bad. Mm. That is not good. It's, it's not good. That's not what you want she's for your uh, no. fiancé. She's not feeling it. Once he said to her, You are my betrothed, and yet you have never once paid me a visit. The maiden replied, I know not where your house is. Uh, Then said the bridegroom, My house is out there in the dark forest. She tried to excuse herself, and said she could not find the way there. But the bridegroom said, Next Sunday you must come out there to me. I have already invited the guests, and I will strew ashes so that you may find your way through the forest. Oh, okay, the old ash trail. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) smart. She's like, oh yeah, of course. Oh, of course. When Sunday came and the maiden had to set out on her way, she became very uneasy. She herself knew not exactly why. And to mark her way, she filled both her pockets full of peas and lentils. Oh, nice. The old pea and lentil trick. (laughs) A lot of the old tricks coming out. The old tricks are being used here. I mean, I don't blame her for being uneasy walking into a dark forest to meet a strange man. Following some ash. I know. That's not a good, uh, good night out. So... She gets to the edge of the forest, right? She's on the edge of the forest, mm-hmm. looking in. It's deep, it's dark. She sees there the ashes, the start of the ash trail. And she followed these. But at every step, she threw a couple of peas on the ground. So she's following the ash trail, but she's leaving some peas as well. Yeah, of course. And she walked almost the whole day until she reached the middle of the forest, where it was the darkest. And there stood a solitary house, which she did not like, for it looked so dark and dismal. Oh, dear. And she went inside... But no one was within, and the most absolute stillness reigned. Suddenly a voice cried, Turn back, turn back, young maiden dear, tis a murderer's house you enter here. The maiden looked up, and saw that the voice came from a bird, which was hanging in a cage on the wall, and again it cried, Turn back, turn back, young maiden dear, tis a murderer's house you enter here. Whoa, Ah. creepy. I mean, when the bird on the wall is telling you to get out, you get out. (laughs) Then the young maiden went on farther from one room to another. She's not listening to the bird. What are you doing? Mm. Get out! That's, Get this out. is the classic rule of horror. Yeah. Just, just don't go just in don't, the dark, yeah. scary room. But she did. She walked through the whole house. But it was entirely empty, and not one human being was to be found. 
until at last she came to the cellar, and there sat an extremely aged woman whose head shook constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to picture what that looks like. <laughs> um, can you not tell me, said the maiden, if um, my betrothed lives here? Alas, poor child. <laughs> shaking her head. I'm shaking mine. Is she like grooving away to some <laughs> headphones? She's got headphones. I was like, what? <laughs> what was that? So she says, alas, poor child. Do you know where you have come? You are in a murderous den. You think you are a bride soon to be married, but you will wed death at your wedding. Look, I have been forced to put a great kettle on there with water in it, and when they have you in their power, they will cut you to pieces without mercy, will what? cook you and eat you, for they are eaters of human flesh. No! She stumbled into some cannibal business. Looks like it. No! If I do not have compassion on you and save you, you are lost. Thereupon, the old woman led her behind a great barrel where she could not be seen. Be still as a mouse, she said. Do not make a sound or move, or all will be over for you. At night, when the robbers are asleep, we will escape. I have long waited for an opportunity. Hardly was this done, than the godless crew came home. Oh no. They're back. They dragged with them another young girl. Oh! They were drunk and paid no heed to her screams and lamentations. They gave her... Holy... This is by far the darkest we've had yet. Come on, this is... Where is this going? Oh, it's a nasty one. This This is really nasty. Mm. They gave her wine to drink. Three glasses full. One glass of white wine, one glass of red, and a glass of yellow. (laughs) Yellow? Yellow, not rosé, yellow. (laughs) Rosé's too good for you, yellow wine. And with this, her heart burst in two. Thereupon... They tore off her delicate raiment, laid her on a table, cut her beautiful body in pieces, and strewed salt on it. Oh my goodness! Now the poor bride is behind the cask. She's hiding there, right? And she was trembling, and she shook, for she saw right well what fate the robbers had destined for her. Now, on this corpse of this cut-up, beautiful, naked young girl... Whoa! One of the robbers noticed a gold ring on the little finger. And as it would not come off at once, so he's yanking it, he's trying to yank, and it won't come off. So he took an axe and cut the finger off. But it sprang up in the air and away over the cask and fell straight into the bride's bosom. The, well, the ring did. Yeah, so he's hacked the finger off the dead girl. The finger's come off and the ring's come flying off. No, no, the finger's gone flying through the air. And hit the bride's bosom. Landed in her bosom. Oh no, you do not want that. No. <laughs> goes without saying. Yeah. <laughs> the robber took up a candle and he wanted to look for it. Uh, I bet and he did. And he did, but he couldn't find it where, where he was looking. Yeah. And then another of them said, have you looked behind the great barrel? <gasps> no. But the old woman cried, come and get something to eat and leave off looking till the morning. The finger won't run away from you. And the robbers said, oh, the old woman's right. <laughs> and gave up their search and sat down to eat. Whew. So she liked their... Servant. Yeah. Uh, that's, mm. This is bad. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> and also, why did the... Well, okay. There's so much to unpack. So the robbers sat down to eat. Old woman is feeding them. But the wily old woman poured a sleeping potion in their wine. <sighs> sleeping potion. Smart. Very smart. So that they soon lay down in the cellar and slept and snored. Now, when the bride heard the snoring, she came out from behind the barrel. And gently. said, shut up. 
<laughs> and she had to step over the sleepers, for they lay in rows oh, on the ground. No. And great was her terror, lest, lest she should awaken them. This is tense. But God helped her, and she got safely over. Thanks, God. Thank you. Whew. Didn't help the other girl. No, poor girl. Ah. The old woman went up with her, opened the doors, and they hurried out of the murderer's den with all the speed in their power. Now the wind had blown away the strewn ashes, but the peas and lentils had sprouted and grown up and showed them the way in the moonlight. Overnight, those are some fast-growing peas and lentils. They walked the whole night until in the morning they arrived at the mill, and then the maiden told her father everything exactly as it happened. She's like, Dad! Yeah. There's a murderer! Thanks to you, Mm. Mr. Miller. Blimmin' Millers. These Millers need a lesson in parenting. When the day came when the wedding was to be celebrated, the bridegroom appeared. Because he doesn't know anything about this. She's, she's hidden in the house and she's fled. He had no idea she was there. Or he would have killed her. Got yeah. It? So he, can't, he still thinks it's all cool. Even it's, though she's just told him? No, no, no. This is the bridegroom. This is the robber. Oh. He's come. Because oh, he I thinks, see. right, wedding day. I'm off. Yeah. To get married. He goes there. And the miller is there with all his family. He'd invited all his relations and friends. And they all sat at a table... And each member of the party was bidden to relate a story. Uh, the bride sat still and said nothing. So everyone's telling stories, anecdotes and just funny things. Little joke here. I'm so confused. So they're going ahead with the wedding? When the wedding day was to be celebrated, so he's come, he thinks the wedding's still on. Yeah. He appeared, uh, the bridegroom appeared, and the miller had invited all his own relations and friends there. And they sat at the table and each was bidden to relate a story. They're all telling stories and jokes and having a right. great time. And the bride sat still and said nothing. Then said the bridegroom to the bride, Come, my darling, do you know nothing? Relate something to us like the rest. He's like, come on, tell a story. Yeah. She replied, Then I will relate a dream. I I was walking alone through a wood, and at last I came to a house in which no living soul was. But on the wall there was a bird in a cage which cried, Turn back, turn back, young maiden dear. Tis a murderer's house you enter here. And this it cried once more. My darling, it it was only a dream. Uh, Then I went through all the rooms, and they were all empty, and there was something so horrible about them. At last I went down into the cellar, and there sat a very, very old woman, whose head shook. I asked her, does my bridegroom live in this house? She answered, alas, poor child, you have got into a murderer's den. Your bridegroom does live here, but he will hew you in pieces and kill you, and then he will cook you and eat you. My darling, it was only a dream. But the old woman hid me behind the great barrel, and scarcely was I hidden when the robbers came home, dragging a maiden with them, to whom they gave three kinds of wine to drink, white, red, and yellow, and with which her heart broke into. Oh, my darling, it was only a dream. Thereupon they pulled off her pretty clothes, and hewed her fair body in pieces on a table, and sprinkled them with salt. My darling, it was only a dream. And one of the robbers saw that there was still a little ring on the finger, and as it was hard to draw off, he took an axe and cut it off, but the finger sprang up in the air and sprang behind the great barrel and fell in my bosom. Oh, I... Yep. And there is the finger with the ring! And with these words, she drew it forth and showed it to those present. The robber, who had during this story become as pale as ashes, leapt up and wanted to escape, but the guests held him fast and delivered him over to justice. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go, justice! Take him away, boys! Then he and his whole... Take away, lads. Our work here is done. <laughs> then he and his whole troop were executed for, oh. for their infamous deeds. The end.
that was a cracker of a story. Yeah, you enjoyed it. I mean, so dark, but like... Holy moly. But dark in a contemporary horror kind of yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Like properly. Well, on that note, I decided to read you the later Victorian translation, because the Edgar Taylor, the very first English translation, yeah. was brilliant. I love the way he writes. But he's a bit of a sensitive chap, our Edgar. Right, so, so it's a bit tame. There's no hacking to death. He just says she drinks the wine, faints and dies. Uh, oh, okay. and, and it's just the ring that flies through the air, not the finger. So the fin- I, no finger I in thought, the bosom. I thought, you know, our listeners voted for this, and they're obviously de- depraved, of course. Uh, sick people, and obviously they wanted the violence. Give them so what I, they want. Give the people what they want. Yeah, agreed. Hardcore violence. Hardcore violence is what they want. That was fantastic. So I admit I got very confused there partway through. You did, yeah. Adam got confused at the <laughs> ending Oh, or I, him him coming back after the woman, the maiden had escaped the I'm house. I'm a bit more clear now. It was never his plan to marry her. It was always his plan to for her to come over and him to eat her and his mates. But he just thought, oh, she never turned up. Oh, I'll go ahead with the wedding then. Might Is as that, well because I'll probably I'll just I'll just eat her. Then I'll anyway. get married and then I'll eat her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Marriage doesn't stop a cannibal. No, we all know that. So I mean, l- lesson one here. Actually, what's the lesson? If if you're a woman and your dad's a miller, get out. <laughs> Don't listen to him. <laughs> Chances are he's a moron and he will screw up your life. And he meets this, the worst people, the I devil know, the himself. Devil. <laughs> Cannibals. Cannibals. Uh, he's boasting to the king. Was That's that, it, yeah. Is that a miller? Yeah, That's probably. a miller, yeah. Heavy millers. What are they doing? The... What, there's something wrong with these millers. All that grinding <laughs> messes with your head. Um, that's that's so that's lesson number one that's lesson number one can take what's lesson number two if you enter a house and there's a bird on the wall telling you to get out you get out there's a murderer here what oh what a nice little bird let's continue and if you go down in the cellar and there's an old woman headbanging some like trendy (laughs) tunes some like trendy shoes how old are you (laughs) 50, 50, 20 oh, something. These, these, these tunes trendy are trendy, tunes. kids. <laughs> what? Well, listen to the old uh, hippity hop or uh, whatever it is the youth are listening to. Uh, uh, yeah, I like the old woman. Yeah, with the head that's constantly moving. Constantly shaking. <laughs> Get out! Mm. I was trying to shake my head at the beginning, but it's quite hard. It's very She's hard. She's having lengthy uh, passages of uh, talking. <laughs> <laughs> it must make her voice go a bit funny. I'm intrigued by the red, white, and yellow wine. Yeah. And uh, was it the combination of all three, or was it just the (laughs) yellow wine that made her heart literally, like, split in two? It's like a really nasty snake bite. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I I was intrigued as well. Yeah. Had a little look. Turns out there are actually yellow wines. Still available on the commercial market? Well, there is Huangju... A type of Chinese alcoholic beverage made from a variety of grains, which is known as yellow wine. But there's also Vin Jaune, which is a type of French white wine from the Jura region in eastern France. And it comes out in a weird yellow colour. Ah, right. And actually, this very year, in May, three bottles of Arbois Vin Jaune... Uh, went on auction for around 20,000 euros of this yellow wine. Wow. Uh, and they date back to 1774. No way. From Louis XVI's times. So these those grapes were picked 
before this Brothers Grimm story was even written. So oh there was this goodness. yellow wine in a cellar somewhere in France while the Brothers Grimm were talking to people about this story, writing down yellow wine, and it's just gone, been sold at auction this year. That's incredible. Cool, That's a vintage and a half, isn't it? Right? I mean, I reckon it's corked. <laughs> Can you imagine? Imagine trying to open that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Wait. That's amazing. So you can get yellow wine. However, in terms of mythological sim- symbology, couldn't find anything about yellow wine. Symbology. That's a word. <laughs> couldn't find anything. Right, okay. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Weird. Really That's weird. Really weird. Nasty combination that poor girl. though. Mm. I mean, they obviously season their meat, which is something I suppose. It is something. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, thing a thing that happened. Mm. So in terms of like moral moral, trust your instincts maybe she was sure. like not feeling it in yeah. the beginning. She just trust your instincts. Beware of strangers. So like this yes. charming uh, handsome uh, princely man comes in and you're like but just uh, dazzled. But actually, he's nasty. So be, beware of... Don't, don't be kind of fooled by people. Or be wary of people. Yeah. Don't be seduced by the superficial, maybe. That is true. However, in this instance, she's not fallen for a... Super, she's going along begrudgingly because she's been made to. Mm. Which makes yeah. it really horrible. Yeah. Which makes it kind of... Yeah, part of the kind of sexist narrative, yeah. I suppose. Or part of a, if we may, patriarchal... Patriarchal type of situation, definitely another. Yeah. Def- that's also definitely a word. <laughs> Patriarchal. So you know, you could think of this as perhaps mothers or grandmothers tell this story to their daughters. You know, there's a kind as of warning like a about men. Tale. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Like all yeah. your worst fears come true in terms of strange men. Yeah. Or just a warning what some men can be like as well. Or if you want to, I mean, you can go really deep and think the house is a representation of a man. It's this empty, dark house where nasty things go on. That's kind of, that's a part of what men are in a way. That's kind of warning, maybe. Sure. Don't know. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. But it is also just a kind of archetypal uh, sort of horror story. It is. absolutely is. It fits all the tropes. Totally. And I, 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 well... It's really similar to another very famous fairy tale, perhaps even more famous, called Bluebeard. Bluebeard? Bluebeard. Ooh, okay, where is this from? What country? This is from France. Okay. This was written by very famous uh, fairy tale man, Charles Perrault, who wrote Red Riding Hood, Puss in Boots. Uh, oh, cool. All of these big, super famous fairy tales. He comes from a slightly different tradition of the Brothers Grimm, but he's a very important figure in fairy tales. And he wrote Bluebeard, which is about... Now, the thing, right, I was even tempted to tell the story of Bluebeard in this. Okay. However, the Brothers Grimm also wrote a Bluebeard story, but they erased it after their first edition of fairy tales. Right. Because I think too French. Because obviously the tale had been written in France, it had spread, and people in Germany were talking about it, so they recorded it, but then they thought, no, 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 and they got rid of it. So there is one, and I would like to read it, because it is slightly different, but it... At the same time, it is about uh, a serial killer and a woman Whoa. sort of marrying and going to the house of a murderer. Except in this one, he's got a blue beard. Oh, okay. And there are some other elements. In fact, interestingly, I almost prefer this one, the robber bridegroom, because she kind of escapes herself with the assistance of the old woman. Whereas yeah. in Bluebeard, it requires the intervention of some men to help her. Yeah, so I don't like that so yeah. much. However, Bluebeard is brilliant. Um, so we will definitely come across it because it's one of the erased stories, but it's on our list to do. Okay, so, perfect. I, I look forward to. Don't spoil it. Won't. Wouldn't dream of it.
Cool. Uh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, there's also that you have. It's a young girl. He's or him and his band are killing. But it's a weirdly like an. It's an old woman who saves her. Usually, old women are kind of like witches or nasty. Sure. In this, she's kind of a benevolent figure, but she's also not of interest to the men. So I think there is a kind of sort of sexual thing going there on. There is, isn't there? Because yeah. that's the reason she's around and not eaten, isn't it? Well. In the Brothers Grimm's first edition, the story was quite different. So, actually, this story was substantially changed for the second edition of the Brothers Grimm. Right. So, the first edition was quite different. First difference is, um, he tied ribbons on the trees. He didn't leave a thing of ash. Right. So, she didn't have to throw the piece. She just followed the ribbons. I see. But the main difference is that they don't drag a young girl back. They drag an old woman. And then our girl, the maiden, sees that it's her own grandmother... And they hack, they hack uh, or they kill her grandmother. So actually, in that the very first Brothers Grimm version, it's not a young, another young girl. It's a, it's her own grandmother. Oh, that's, so that's weird. What a twist that is. That's like <laughs> M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Maybe not quite, but certainly this this story is very filmic, and it make it, you can picture the horror film mm. it could be. I mean, you've got mm. the hiding behind the barrel and then coming this close to finding her. You've mm-hmm. got her stepping carefully over them as they're sleeping. You've got the old house and you, you know she's heading for doom, but she's sort of going there blissfully mm-hmm. unaware. It's got all these tropes. It's very filmic. Mm. And uh, when you said that, I can picture the, the that moment in the film where she, you know, that sh- shock yeah. as she see, looks up at the face of the woman that's being dragged Whoa. in. It's her own grandmother. Oh my word. Boom. She gets her own grandmother's finger in her bosom. Oh, that's I, also, okay. I can see that the uh, slow motion slow finger, motion. the old CGI finger through the. Uh, or maybe it's practical effects. No, it's just they just chuck it and then slow it down. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah it's so it's so cinematic and filmic. And, yeah, uh, and also there's something for me really creepy about the actual house. She walks through the rooms and they're all empty. Yeah, something really and there's a bird on a cage. Yeah. Now the other thing here is that this is the first time we've met an odd and recurrent theme in fairy tales, cannibalism. Okay. This is our first cannibalism. Wow. And you're saying there's more? Oh, there's a hell of a lot more to come. Well, plenty more where that came from. I wonder if we've read all the nice sweet ones (laughs) and it's just cannibalism from here on out so you can stop listening to that and your thing. Well, it's a central theme in in fairy tales and also not just cannibalism but being eaten. So actually, we've already had thumbling, eaten by a cow. True, or swallowed whole, technically. That's true. Uh, seven little kids, swallowed yep. whole. Yep. Cat and mouse, in a way, eats the mouse. Oh, yeah. But also think like Pinocchio, swallowed by a whale. I mean, it's not quite a fairy tale, but you know what I mean. He's swallowed by a whale? Isn't he? Yeah. He's in a whale, in, Is a, he? in a raft. I yeah. didn't know that. I'm pretty sure. Is that just rip-off of Jonah and the whale from the Bible? Might be, yeah. There you go, in the Bible. Hansel and Gretel, the witch trying to eat them, bake them in the oven. Yes, yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk, fee fi fo fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. He's trying to eat him. So this idea of, like, being eaten and cannibalism is is central. And actually, you know, if you think to, like, childhood, you you know, you might say, like, beware the boogeyman, he'll gobble you up, you know, he'll eat you up. Yeah. That's what you say to kids to to, to scare them. Yeah. Conversely, you might you might also say to kids, you know, you're so cute, I could just eat you. There's That's this true. weird yeah. sort of like eating theme that goes yeah. on. And actually it goes right back to, in Greek mythology, you have um, Kronos, who was the father of Zeus and like Poseidon and the other 
right. Olympians. He eats all his own children, except Zeus, who escapes, and he swallows a stone instead of Zeus, and it and it like upsets his digestion. It rumbles and tumbles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So there's this, uh, this, this, these, this idea of um, eating and cannibalism. Yeah. Is is really central and, yeah. and recurrent. Now, you could think that this is perhaps cannibalism. It's a really strong taboo in our society. And actually, fairy tales deal with a lot of taboos. We get, again, we haven't really had it, but incest comes up a lot. Get ready for that. Okay. Look out for that. Cannibalism. Uh, of course, murder, sex abuse, like all really, really Whoa. dark things. Really dark. There's going to be a lot of certified grim coming up. <laughs> are, in, are central to what are often considered lighthearted kid stories. Yeah. So perhaps there are ways of sort of teaching kids the mores of society or dealing with the darkest parts of ourselves or of society. Like, it's, it's an odd thing that you have, like, cannibalism and incest in these stories. Yeah. And also, is it the first... I'm trying to think. Is it the first instance of people being drunk? Or has that happened yet? Because that felt oddly adult to have people mm. being drunk for some reason. It's also the story sort of it says that because they're drunk, they weren't interested in her lamentations and cries. I was like, well, I think it's because they're psychopathic cannibals. Yeah, I think so. You Not can't blame the booze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it was. It it, it's a very yeah grown up, scary, horrible. A story. gang of men coming back drunk, carrying a poor young girl, girl. and oh, hacking, hacking her to pieces, and then boiling her and eating her. Uh, yes, presumably they boil her and eat her because that's what the uh, kettle has been put there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they strew her with salt. Yeah, for boiling. Strew, strewed. Strudel. Strudel. So, versions. So, this story was taken from two stories uh, merged together from Lower Hess. And the first, as I said, the first edition was substantially changed for the second edition in 1819. And there were only small changes thereafter. Mm -hmm. So, this is the ATU type 955. It's under the sub ATU type 955 Robbers and Murderers. Okay. And then you have the Robber Bridegroom. Yeah. Other stories that we have similarly across the world are Alexander Pushkin, the famous uh, Russian novelist and poet he wrote a version in russian you have from norway the sweetheart in the wood oh romania the cannibal innkeeper oh lithuania you have Greenbeard. oh similar to bluebeard i'm guessing interesting so. from india you have sulasa and satuka and from britain you got loads oh dear we love it do we <laughs> scotland you got the history of mr greenwood wales you've got Laula. 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 Now, I had to have a quick sneaky okay. peek at the Welsh the one. The Welsh are so good at this. <laughs> they know what they're doing. It's pretty much exactly the same story. Um, it's very sort of nonchalantly just quickly told. And then uh, the, the end is great. The last line is, um, so they've captured the villains. And at the old father's suggestion, he is placed in a barrel filled with grease and burnt to death. <laughs> Come on, Wales. Come on, Wales. They know how to do it. They could tell a story in Wales. Technically roasted, if he's in a barrel full of grease and uh, put on a fire. Yeah. Roast, roast, roast the robber. Mm. Roast the robber. So, England, you've got the girl who got up a tree. Got up a tree. I love it. You've got the bloody baker. <laughs> shaking my fist and Bobby Rag 
Bobby Rag. Bloody Baker, the girl who got up the tree, and Bobby Rag. Now you also have Charles Dickens who got involved in folk tales. No way. He recounted a story called Captain Murderer. Captain Murderer. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Murderer. <laughs> Watch out for the <laughs> the kids' TV show that never took off. <laughs> the fun adventures of Captain Murderer. <laughs> hey kids, what are you up to today? I'm a murderer. <laughs> He, he, uh, he recounted this in a literary journal that he was a part of called All Year Round, and he claimed that um, his nursemaid told him this story when he was a kid. Yeah. She told him the story of Captain Murderer, <laughs> which is basically the robber bridegroom. <laughs> He's a captain. He's a captain. Now, you got all those from England and the rest of the world, but also from England, you have the story of Mr. Fox. Ooh. Ah. Now, this is the most famous of all. And actually, it was, it was very famous in England. It was... Sure. And it is the English version of the Robert Bridegroom. It was collected uh, by Joseph Jacobs in his uh, English fairy tales in 1895. And it's even mentioned by the brothers themselves in their notes on the Robert Bridegroom because they, they um, yeah. notate all their stories. Yeah. Uh, and they mention this English one. Uh, what was it called? The Story of Mr. Fox. The Story of Mr. Fox. Different to Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think so. <laughs> this one was not fantastic. Well, I, I'll, I'll recount a few little bits from the Story of Mr. Fox. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing. Don't worry. But uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. So I'm going to read one, not Joseph Jacobs' one, but one collected by Walter Scott in Scotland in English Fairy and Other Folk Tales, which you can find online. So, once upon a time, there was a young lady called Lady Mary, who had two brothers. One summer, they all went to the country, their lovely house in the country. And among the other gentry of the neighbourhood who came to see them was uh, Mr. Fox, who was a bachelor with whom they, particularly the young lady, were much pleased. Uh, so they used to have dinners uh, with Mr. Fox. He's a human. Yeah, he's a human. Don't right. worry. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a whole yeah, other area. Mm. Uh, and he invited her around, like, come around, come on, come on, come on. Come. Uh, and one day she had nothing better to do, so she went thither to his house, uh, into the woods. Now, she got to the, the lonely house, knocked at the door, no one answered it. She went in, uh, but over the portal of the door was written... Be bold, be bold, but not too bold. Ooh. She advanced anyway. So she went in, got to the staircase, same inscription. Be bold, be bold, but not too bold. She went up the stairs and over the entrance of a gallery, the same again. Be bold, be bold, but not too bold. She went on and on and at the door of a chamber, she found written, Be bold, be bold, but not too bold, lest your heart's blood should run cold. She went in, she opened it. Why? It was full of skeletons and tubs of blood. Oh, tubs of them. Tubs of, tubs of blood. Tubs of blood. She retreated in haste and, and she was running out the door, but Mr. Fox came back with his mates. She's like, oh, no. blooming hell. And he had a... Oh, no, sorry. He was on his own, but he had his sword drawn for some reason. And he was dragging along a young lady by her hair. No. So she just had time, Lady Mary, to slip and hide herself under the stairs when Mr. Fox arrived with his victim. And he's going up the stairs with this young girl and this sword drawn. She, she grabs hold of the banister. Like, and he lops off her hand, uh, and a bracelet fell off and went under the stairs. Into her bosom? Her lap. Oh, phew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, she ran out and got home. There's an old woman or anything like that. A few days afterwards, Mr. Fox came to dine with them, as usual. And after dinner, the guests began to amuse each other with extraordinary anecdotes. And Lady Mary said she would relate to them a remarkable dream she had lately had. Oh. I dreamt, she said, that as you, Mr. Fox, had often invited me to your house, I would go there one morning. When I came to the house, I knocked at the door, but no one answered. When I opened the door, over the hall, I saw written, Be bold, be bold, but not too bold. She said, turning to Mr. Fox and smiling, It is not so, nor it was not so. 
Then she pursued the rest of the story, concluding at every turn with, it is not so, nor it was not so, until she came to the room full of skeletons. So she's not saying like, it was only a dream, my darling. She says, it is not so, nor it was not so. If that makes sense. It didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. She's just saying, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, Until she uh, she recounted the part with the room full of skeletons, when Mr. Fox took up the burden of the tale and said, it is not so, nor it was not so, and God forbid it should be so. Which he continued to repeat at every subsequent turn of the dreadful story, right. until she came to the whole cutting off the hand part, whereupon his saying as usual, it is not so, nor it was not so, and God forbid it should be so, Lady Mary retorts by saying, but it is so, and it was so, and here the hand I have to show. And at the same moment she whipped out the hand with a bracelet, whereupon the guests drew their swords and instantly cut Mr. Fox into a thousand pieces. Whoa! Okay, instant justice Instant there. justice. Whoa! <laughs> he was delivered to justice. Right. Quick maths. How many cuts does it take... Quick maths. <laughs> ...to <laughs> cut a th- human being into a thousand pieces? Thousand? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, it's a literally... You know, it's a, it's a device. Yeah, not literally yeah, a thousand, because yeah. that's yeah. quite a few cuts. That is a lot of cuts. Uh, less than a thousand, <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. is a lot. Now, interestingly, as I'm sure you noticed, Adam, in Mr. Fox, that there's a clear uh, Shakespearean reference in there, right? Be bold, no? Be bold, be bold, but not too bold. To be so close. <laughs> to be or not to be. <laughs> I'm just stretching it to the most famous... <laughs> to cannibalise or not to cannibalise. Right. In Much Ado About Nothing, circa 1599, Act 1, Scene 1, Benedict says, Like the old tale, my lord. It is not so, nor twas not so, but indeed, God forbid, it should be so. The story of Mr. Fox is not referencing Shakespeare. Shakespeare is referencing the story of Mr. Fox. No way. Yeah. It's a clue to how old these tales are and how popular they were at the time. He says, it's like the old tale, my lord. So it's a well-known tale in Shakespearean times. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. That's mad. It predates Shakespeare. It just brings into perspective that... Yeah, you can say it's How hundreds of years old. Yeah. yeah, isn't that crazy? That is crazy, and another super super creepy story. I mean, why is he keeping the blood in tubs <laughs> for his black pudding? <laughs> well, there you go. You sold it yourself, <laughs> done yeah. It. Done it. Nailed it. Uh, wow. Oh dear. Nasty. Crumbs alive. Mm. I quite like Mr. Fox. I just like he's called Mr. Fox. Yeah, I know. Like. It's not unnecessary because he's not an animal. It's like yeah. a it's like a red herring, Mr. Herring. Mr. Herring and Mr. Fox. I like <laughs> Good the, day, sir. She grabs the banister. That's a really clear in my mind. He just hacks her hand. Yeah, because I thought she was dead at that point. No, and no. And then she grabbed the banister and I thought, uh-oh. So that's the other folktale versions of this across the world. In the modern times, there are loads of adaptions of this. You've got Margaret Atwood's uh, novel called The Robber Bridegroom. Uh, which She's done... Oh, she did a story the same Robert? Margaret Atwood of uh, The Handmaid's Tale fame. Indeed. Except in her Robber Bridegroom... Uh, the villain is a woman as well. Ooh. Oh, she twisted it there. Oh, she did. She twisted oh, it Margaret. very much. Now, there's also a 1942 novella by Edouard Welty, American author, um, and it's loosely based on the fairy tale. And that story was then again loosely translated into a hit Broadway musical in the 1970s. Whoa. If you look up The Robber Bridegroom, you'll find a mix of horrendous horror folktale story and... Sort of seventy sort of music. Exactly. I'd, I encourage you to watch the trailer of. Uh, of that, that sounds tonally all over the place. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. It went off on a weird direction <laughs> through those filters. 
Yeah, it ends up becoming a kind of Robin Hood story. Oh, wow. I don't really know. But anyway, what Adam, I'm desperate to know what you thought of The Robert Bridegroom. The genuine horror of it stays with me, like uh, more than any other tale. Because you sort of take most of these tales with a pinch of salt because they are from what feels like a different world. You know, it's from hundreds of years ago and it doesn't quite fit with our modern narrative techniques. Mm -hmm. This somehow does. It it feels like a modern horror tale, Mm. give or take a few details. And it was properly effective of like freaking me out. Yeah. Well, fairy tales are meant to sort of exist in a kind of two-dimensional plane. Yeah. They're meant to exist in a kind of other world. Yeah. So I know this feels uncomfortably real. Yes. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> in ways that fairy tales normally don't. They're usually very two-dimensional and flat. Ex- exactly right, yeah. yeah. Um, score-wise, now there's the question. Well, we had... So the, the only other one that was vaguely horror-y was the youth who went forth to learn what fear is. Sure. But as we said, that's kind of like a comedy horror. It is a comedy horror, yeah, as we said, and it's kind of an epic as well. Adventure, yeah. Yeah. Which it's it's is... genre-defying, that story. <laughs> it's mind-bending. It is. This is just upsetting. It really is upsetting. <laughs> but it's also really good. It is really, it's like, it's a properly good story. It's like, just a good story, but also if you're, like, really into, like, folklore studies or psychology, you can really sink your teeth into this one. There's yeah. cannibalism, there's symbolism everywhere there's yeah. like gender relations there's so much going on in this story i think i'm gonna give that i've got to pick a number 7.5 okay high that is high yeah that's a good yeah it's high but it's not like it's your not highest. ridiculous yeah you gave 8.5 to the youth yeah because that's got a lot of other factors going on there that's got it all that has got a runaway bed come on <laughs> <laughs> a whimsical runaway bed that would have made this story <laughs> hop 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 uh, so, I, yeah, score. I, well, I think I should have given the youth more. Mm. I think I gave the youth 7.5. <laughs> it sounds like you wish you'd be more charitable throughout your life. <laughs> I wish I'd given them more to the youth. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go high for this one. Ooh, I go think... high. Yeah, they go low, you go high. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go high. You do it, man. I've been really uh, holding back with the scores. I think it's time to unleash... Unleash the big boys. <laughs> the big boys. The big boy numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, I'm going to go eight. Oh, I've already been over eight. Yeah, no, it's not that high, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's not that high. Uh, you no. and your big boy numbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's medium boy numbers. Uh, no, I'm going to go eight. It's a, it's eight. A really That's a solid score. Story. Not a million miles away from me, so that's... Uh, no. So eight and a 7.5. Yeah, not bad. And uh, good choice. For the listeners, I thoroughly enjoyed that story. Yes. Thank you, you sick... Sick-minded <laughs> freaks. people. No, it was fantastic. Yes, thank you so much for choosing that one. We really enjoyed uh, watching the votes come in. And yeah. we've been really excited about this story. And it definitely delivered. It did not disappoint. So, next up, what next do we up, have? I believe it is The White Snake. The White Snake. The White Snake. Oh, yeah. Um... I still need to do my homework of listening to the, uh, to to the, the band, band White Snake. So, uh, got that to look forward to. <laughs> Since 
since we started back in whenever it was May, April. I don't even know now. A long time ago. But then yeah. since since we actually got up and running with the podcast, we've been doing one a week, and obviously we record in batches. But even so, that's some pace to keep up. So for our own sanity, just for just let's see how it works out for a while. Mm-hmm. We were thinking of dropping down to one episode every two weeks. Yes, that gives us time to breathe, to prepare, yeah, to. Uh, not go a bit mad. Yeah, not not <laughs> panic edit the episode while we're, like, crying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for now, we're going to probably move on to every two weeks. But, you know, we might pick up the pace again. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Road. Yeah. Cool. Well, see you, see you in two weeks. Yeah. For the White Snake. The White Snake. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. See you then. See ya. Bye. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. Keep it grim.